Hello and welcome to another episode of um, The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. I am your host, Blaine Bartlett. Um, folks, you know, those of you that are you know, uh, constant listeners uh, have heard me talk about compassionate capitalism. Uh, it, was, it was actually the title of a book I wrote. Uh, became an international bestseller. My purpose in putting this podcast on air was to, you know, in, in part, find examples of where compassionate capitalism, conscious capitalism, but my take on it, compassionate capitalism, um, is actually being delivered um, by entrepreneurs, by solopreneurs, by business people, by business leaders around the planet. Um, and I've been pretty good at finding you know, some of these folks. Uh, we've had a, a pretty interesting uh, collection of people, including a major general on the, uh, on the show, and talked about uh, compassionate capitalism from a military perspective, which was really interesting. Um, the guest I've got today, uh, I've had the great pleasure of uh, getting to know at a personal level. And, you know, and I'll just kind of riff a little bit here. You know, we were standing in the water in the Bahamas and he started talking about his company and what he was doing with it. And I was absolutely blown away about what was going on there. And I said, you know, Robert, I've got to have you on the show. You know, I want you to talk about what you're doing, how you've done it, and why you've done it, because this story needs to be heard. So my guest today is Robert Saad. Uh, the company is Hillsdale DR. Um, the, the, uh, this version of the company was founded in 2008. Um, Robert's the uh, president and co-founder of uh, the company. The parent company was founded back in the 19, uh, 1980s, I believe. Uh, and he's, you know, he'll tell me about that in just a minute here. But the journey, the migration, the, the, the process is fascinating. And to me, it's, it's uh, evidence that compassionate capitalism is probably the most significant and impactful commercial model that we could work with if what we want is long-term sustainable, sustainable success. It's, it's not an easy journey. You know, I mean, you've really got to... You know, you know, start thinking out of the box in order to put this together. So I want to welcome um, my friend, um, Robert Saad, to the show. Uh, it is a distinct pleasure to have you here, buddy. Thank you, Blaine. No, thank you very much. Yes, I'm, uh, it's an honor to be on your podcast. Uh, definitely. Well, thank you. You bet. And yeah, let's just kind of get a little bit of uh you know, the basics in here, history of the company uh, up to uh, 2008 when you moved out of Montreal and, and into the DR. So, you know, what is the company, first of all? What kind of a, an organization is it? Because it's in an incredibly competitive space. So Definitely, yes. So, yeah. Yes, so we specialize, uh, the business was started in Montreal, uh, specializing in manufacturing women's swimwear. Um Again, very technical product, uh, difficult to manufacture, uh, uh, small tolerances, very small pieces to work with. Um, so it's a product that needs quality um, measurements. Uh, so not the easiest of products to make. Uh, yeah. In 2007, uh, we moved the business from the Dominican, uh, from Montreal to the Dominican Republic. 
China was becoming a fierce competitor. Uh, we needed, you know, a more competitive labor force. Uh, and we found a home in the Dominican Republic and been there ever since. Yeah. Um, today, we're the largest swimwear producer in the Caribbean. Um, we've um, got a very stable workforce um, that the majority have been with us since the beginning. Now that, uh, yeah, so that's, that's significant. And there's a reason that that's the case, because there yes. was some question about that early on, I think. Yes, absolutely. It's, uh, again, our, the most important part of our business is quality. Yeah. And how do you get quality? You know, the only way to get that is having an engaged workforce. And there are many challenges, especially in the garment industry. How do you engage, you know, the sewing operator? You know, how do you get them engaged and involved in the manufacturing of the product mm -hmm. to, you know, uh, to get quality? And that's been, you know, a very big challenge. You know, when we first brought the business into the Dominican Republic, um, big trust issue. They saw us as foreigners. Um, you know, they thought we were just coming in there to exploit uh, cheap labor and, you know, and not care about them. Um, take the money and run. And <laughs> take the money and run. And, you know, they, again, many, many examples of that. So, you know, I understand where they were coming from. Mm -hmm. And at the beginning, you know, when we first uh, started the operation, you know, we were kind to everyone and we quickly learned that they saw that as, you know, a form of weakness. Well, great. We've got an opportunity to take advantage of someone, someone where we could, you know, figure out how to make a little bit of money. Um, so, you know, we took a step back and, you know, we knew how comfortable we were to operate and how we wanted to operate our business. So we never wanted, we, you know, there wasn't an option of changing our ways of ruling with an iron fist, you know, that that's the easy road. You know, we took the road of, you know, we got to build trust. We got to engage with them. We got to get them to understand who we are and, you know, work, you know, together, and, you know, become a great company that can help, you know, supply everyone the needs uh, that they need for them and their families. Um, so, you know, that was the first challenge when we uh, brought our facility there. And how do we build this trust? Uh -huh. And, you know, and it's continuous work. It's continuous showing them. And you're challenged constantly where... You know, you're you know you're you're constantly challenged, and you've just got to keep focused and continue on your path of showing them that you know, you know the company really does care for you. Yeah. You know the company really is looking for helping you improve your life. So and we put in place some education uh, programs, if I remember correctly. Uh, because, I mean, you and Dan, you know, you're, you're not resident in the DR, and Dan is your partner. Um, yes. You know, and and co-founder with you. And so not being present physically, I mean, you'd go in and out you know, a couple times a, a month. 
So you needed to rely on local uh, leadership to a significant degree. Yes. And yes, can you talk a little bit about that power transfer, if you will? Um, and, yes. and I think that's important to understand for people that are listening here that, yeah, this this is a different kind of leadership that you and Dan exhibited that enabled a different style of leader to emerge. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In, in your facilities. Yes. So, I, you know, we had um, we had hired a young gentleman about five, six years ago. And um, again, uh, for data entry. And he came up to Dan and I and said, you know, I really like computers. I, you know, love programming. I'd love to take some courses. And Dan and I looked at him and said, you know, great. That's awesome. You know, uh, tell us what courses you want. You know, we'd be more than happy to pay for them and help you advance. So, you know, he came back, gave us a whole schedule, started taking his courses while he was doing his courses, he, you know, he approached us saying, you know, you're the company's working on, you know, uh, with a third party on developing uh, uh, it, it, its processes. Can I, you know, can I get involved with that? And we said, sure, Jack, you know, we'll, we'll integrate you. And, you know, few months, a year into it, uh, he started to take more and more responsibility, continued studying to the point that he, you know, was in charge of all of our, you know, uh, operation of all of our software for, um, our business operations. And so, you know, he continued to excel. So, uh, two years ago, we pulled him aside and we said, you know, Jack, you're doing really well in this, this area. We're developing all sorts of software for our production, you know, you're really doing well. We, you know, we want to definitely develop this more, you know, we'd like to make a deal with you. We'd like you to hire three other programmers, but these are the conditions. They've got to be, you know, more experienced than you. And at first he was taken back by, well, you're going to manage them. We're going to finish our company's projects. And then in two, three years, you can break off and with your team and we'll help you find customers and you'll do, you know, software development for other companies. You'll still continue to do projects for us. That was the game plan. And, you know, the first Christmas, I remember him, he's emailing me and I'm there, Jack, you know, it's Christmas, take some time off. He's, oh, I can't, I'm so excited. You know, I, uh, you know, I love the opportunity. Thank you. So grateful and thank you. And, you know, so um, about four or five months ago, he approached us and he's there, you know, I want to make recommendations to the company. And he came up with a really good plan saying, you know, this is not, you know, we can do this, 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 this better. And um, we knew that uh, we were at this point looking for new leadership in the factory. And... Um, you know, we we took a step back. So they're okay. We've got to find a general manager. Where are we going to find this person? And then Dan and I looked at each other and said, "You know, what about Jack? You yeah. know, he's a great communicator. He's you know, he's proven himself over the past years of how hardworking, how 
you know, uh, meticulous his work is, you know, let's give that a thought. And we both came to the conclusion and we offered him that opportunity. And today he's our general manager and a real leader showing leadership in our Mm -hmm. facility. Um, and we need that because we need, we need someone who is going to definitely engage with everyone in our facility. And this is where we are today. So today we're now looking at, you know, our ask for our employees is quality and on-time delivery. Uh That's what the company needs. How, you know, what can now, what can the company do for our employees? So we're looking at a bonus program based on quality and productivity where we're profit sharing. So they all have an interest Mm -hmm. in production, in making sure the product is well-made, that they're hitting their daily goals and that they clearly have their goals of what they're, you know, what additional bonuses they could make based on efficiency, quality, um, and productivity. Yeah. To do this, you, yes. Go ahead. To do this, you had to have a place. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And you need, you need someone of trust in that position. Yeah. And how do we bring that company? So the company also has to position itself with a trust factor between its employees. So again, as a company, we're looking, you know, it's easy for us as ownership to not, um, really look at, you know, our employees, you know, lives, how, you know, uh, what do they need? How, how do they, you know, it's easy to turn your head and not look at their problems, but they have real problems, real problems of inflation, real, yeah. you know, uh, um, you know, real life problems. And, you know, they're stuck in this, you know, in this wage bracket that, you know, is, is very difficult for them. So as a yeah. company, you know, what can we do for them to Outside help of them? raising their wages? Because what, raising the wages puts you in a non-competitive position. And so the, and this is where I, I, the, the idea of compassionate capitalism comes into play here because there are business constraints. There are real constraints on how businesses operate. One of the key ones being you know, salaries. I mean, that becomes a fixed cost. And you can't just keep escalating your salary base. But if you're willing to pay attention in the way that you and, uh, and Dan did, and, and Jack, actually, yeah, you start noticing that there are other ways that you can uh, increase uh, the compensatory experience yeah, that, that people yes. have. So that, yeah, I mean, we talk about value add uh, from well, on a B2B side. But how do you value mm-hmm. add with your employees? And that's, I think, the code that you guys have actually cracked to a significant degree. You've been able to value yes. add in a very unique fashion that um, I want to explore when we come back from a break. Um, because you've done some things that are really innovative. And I know that you wouldn't have been able to get there unless you had the employee engagement levels that you have today, because creativity comes with engagement and ownership. You know, when I'm feeling mm-hmm. you know, like I own something, 
I'm, you know, I'm a part of it. It's, you know, it's important to me. I start getting creative about how I can improve it. You know, I start noticing, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, the, the metaphor I use is, uh, you know, renting a car. Uh, I, I don't know anybody that's ever changed the oil in a rental car. I don't know anybody that's ever changed the wiper blades yes. in a rental car. Very yes. seldom is the rental car ever yeah. washed because nobody owns it. Yeah. yeah. And if people start yeah, exactly. theirs, they, they start taking care of it. And that's what your employees are doing right now. And you've done it in a very, I think, interesting way. So, folks, stay tuned. Robert's got a couple of stories here that I wanted to illustrate uh, this concept with. We're going to take a real quick break. And we'll be back in just a minute. The nature of life is evidenced in nature. Nature grows. And all of nature honors the desire to be more, to have more, and to do more. Life thrives when it's allowed to grow. And ideally, thriving is what we also, all of us, want to be able to do. Unfortunately, at some stage in life, most people find themselves settling into what I can only call a rut. And a rut is nothing more than a coffin with the ends kicked out. You want to quickly get out of any rut that you find yourself in. When you stop growing, that's when the coffin starts to appear. You know, the simple truth is this, and this is true for everything in nature. You're going to die. I'm going to die. Every one of us dies. So the question we need to come to grips with is not, are we going to die? The question nature asks us to answer is, are we truly living? That's what motivation is about. It's the desire to move. It's the desire to grow and to excel. Have I lived? How have I lived? I'd love for you to take advantage of my Leadership Mindset Masterclass. It's all about providing you with the tools to ensure thriving for yourself and for those around you. Register today to receive the free introduction video and find out more about this acclaimed program. You'll also receive a copy of my international number one bestseller, Compassionate Capitalism, A Journey to the Soul of Business. I'm Blaine Bartlett, and I look forward to helping you thrive. Welcome back, folks. Uh, talking to Robert Saad, uh, CEO, or not CEO, the president and co-founder of uh, uh, Hillsdale DR, based out of the Dominican Republic. And this idea of compassionate capitalism, compassion, compassion, you don't get compassion until you feel connected to something. And when you start getting connected to something, you start feeling compassionate toward it. And I don't mean squishy, soft, you know, that kind of compassion. Yeah, you're, you're concerned about health and well-being. You're concerned about uh, how things are actually functioning. Is it, are we set up to thrive? And just before we took the break, you, know, you, you were talking about, you know, you and Dan and Jack, your general manager now, uh, noticing that, you know, we're concerned about our, our employees' well-being. You know, we know that we can't necessarily address that by just simply raising wages. That puts us in a non-competitive place. And in order to continue to have employees and in order to continue to pay them, uh, we have to be competitive. But there's other ways that we can go about compensating that doesn't add to fixed costs, but allows us to continue to engage our people uh, in very interesting ways, because you know, Hillsdale DR right now is, is actually rapidly, if it hasn't already, become an employer of choice 
in the Dominican Republic. I mean, you guys are doing yes. some things that are very interesting and have gotten a lot of attention down there. So you know, I'll get yes. off my soapbox and just have you, uh, you. You've got a couple of stories here about some very innovative, uh, innovative ways that you've actually engaged yes. the employee base, but also compensated them in a very, you know, I'm going to say altruistic way that uh, is, is pretty unique from my experience. It's all yours. So at the, <laughs> yes, perfect. So, you know, again, the engagement part was something that we, you know, as a company, we were trying to figure out how to do this. And so at the beginning where there, you know, the company needs to stand for something and were there, okay, great swimwear oceans. We started to look into the problems of oceans and understanding again, spending time in the Bahamas, walk the beaches and the amount of plastic debris that would wash up ashore is sickening. So, were there, you know, this would be a noble cause to start looking, you know, again, swimwear oceans, a perfect fit. Um, so we started to work on an environmental program for helping protect uh, seagrass, mangroves and salt marshes, which was great. The company, you know, we showed the company that, you know, we're going to be, you know, uh, good environmental uh, uh, stewards. Um, but which was a great, you know, a great direction, but we also, you know, needed to do more than just have that type of cause. It was, yes, it helped us build, you know, a structure, uh, uh, towards our employees, but, um, they needed something more. We needed to address what was, you know going on, you know, in their lives, uh, inflation, a huge problem. Um, you know, how can we increase their wages? Like we mentioned before, you know, just raising their wages, you know, I've got a China's very competitive. A lot of countries out there are very competitive, you know, so that's not an option. So we started to try to figure out, you know, different ways of what can we do for our employees? You know, and um, so we started to develop these, you know, different types of programs. Um, my wife had bought this yoga necklace for uh, to carry your phone case. And every time she would wear it, she'd get compliments. So I told my wife, Chantal, I said, you know, can I, you know, can I borrow this? Took pictures of it. I sent it to my, um, to the head of product development at the factory on their claret, is this something we could make? And right away, she responded, oh yes, this is something we can easily make here at the factory. I'm there, okay, great. This would be a great little project to, you know, source the different components, make the necklace, you know, have, you know, different people in the factory make this, they'll get, you know, paid for making it. And then we'll have a product that we could market and sell. And those proceeds from whatever we sell will go back directly to all the employees. Definitely, you know, structure it with a sovereign fund so that there's total transparency and clarity for everyone. And we're there. Let's definitely look at other projects out there. Let's look at another project that can also have a solution 
for the environment. So we started to look around our facilities. What, you know, what are we doing? Is there anything that we're throwing out that we can recycle or use? And a big part of, you know, uh, our facility is we manufacture a lot of swimwear. There's a lot of, you know, uh, uh, fabric waste. All this goes into a landfill. Is there something that we can do with this? And we challenged them. And, you know, and it was great to engage them because you saw how they're all trying to figure out what can we do with this? And they know that the outcome is going to benefit them. So they were very challenged in finding a solution. So we ended up, you know, that the solution they came up was we would take the waste fabric, shred it, make a fiber fill and use that fiber fill for fill for cat and dog beds. So now we'd be, so now we would have a product that we can sell and the product, you know, again, all that money goes back to our employees and we're, you know, we're, we're solving a solution for the environment and we're making a product and that product is now helping our hardworking employees get a better living wage. Now, folks, so I want you to all be real these programs. Yeah, these programs. But I, I really want to. This, I mean, this is I mean, so unique in my experience with the way the companies typically are run. This is this is a compassionate approach. Yeah, you've got you've got your main core product, your swimwear product, and you're making a profit off it and all that kind of stuff. But in, in yes. challenging your employees to come up with ideas that are innovative and whatnot, that are intended to improve their experience of being able to live a, a, a thriving life. Now, and here's the P guys, as you're listening to this, I want you to hear this. The profits that came out of these projects went into a sovereign escrow type fund solely to be directed to the employees. The company didn't take it's cut, so to speak. I mean, this is so unique. The company funded the process, funded the project, but the employees gained the benefit out of it. Now, you talk yes. about finding ways to create engagement, loyalty, those sorts of things. And the way you set it up was complete transparency. So, again, trust, you know, you, you paid attention to that side of it. And you know, I get chills when I hear you talk about this, Robert. I really do. It's it's just it's yes. brilliant and altruistic. Yes, yes, but, but not in a yes. uh, not in a naive way. No, that and, and just to uh, Blaine, just to clear, we the these are programs that we're currently in the development of of mm -hmm. challenging our our staff. So this is you know they now look at the company in a different, in a different way. They see the value they, you know, they want the company to do well. So now our ask as a company of quality and on time delivery, we now have something that we can all work towards yeah. and have goals. And, you know, if we all go in this direction, we're all going to benefit from it. And, it's again, it's it, again, we're on a small little island, you know, everybody, you know, everybody hears what we're doing. So now we're attracting, you know, the best of the best that want to come work for us. 
because yeah. we're positioning our company this way. So the benefits are just incredible. Uh, uh, they're, you know, would not change the direction one bit. It's, we were having such success uh, in our engagement, uh, in our profit sharing with our employees, again, mm -hmm. based on quality, based on, uh, on productivity. They see that we're caring for them. So now, you know, getting them to do the extra effort, they, you know, they don't feel cheated out of it. They feel, you know, they want to do it. Yeah. And that's key. That's, you, yeah. you know, if they want to do it, they're going to do it. You know, yeah. forcing them's not, the, you know, that doesn't work. Yeah. Have to is different than want to. <laughs> Yes. Very different. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. In the yes. time that we've got left here, I want to. Yeah. I want to just uh, touch on something that I think is 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 important uh, because when the pandemic came in, you did something yes. that was also uh, I think very special. Uh, and you know, the contrast I want to draw here has to do, you know, in my mind at least, with what I, you know, what was in big news here early on in the pandemic, and it was these. Uh, meat packing houses uh, where people, yes. you know, were working without protective gear. I mean, it was, you know, you, you don't show up for work, you're fired. I mean, you know, all of the, you know, I mean, horror stories around this and people got sick, people died because they didn't have protective mm -hmm. gear and all kinds of stuff. Um, and the, the sole motive, uh, as far as I could tell was, let's just keep our slaughterhouses, uh, running because there's, you know, there's money to be made here and, you know, that kind of stuff. Yes. And the workers, yeah, 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 don't worry about them. Yeah, they'll be fine. Yeah. You didn't do that. No. Yeah, we took the different, we took a different approach. You know, it was when COVID hit, um, a lot of uncertainty, supply chains were being disrupted. Uh, retailers were pulling back, uh, sales were drying up very, uh, very difficult period. Uh, our concern was our workforce again, yeah. making sure that, you know, again, knowing how much they make, you know, we wanted to be sure that they did not miss a pay, which they didn't. Everybody got completely paid throughout the, you know, the full process. But we used um, we used COVID as a, a, a in this situation to help build trust. So we knew we had to find a solution. We needed to get some work. Um, there was also a need for production of protective gear. Um, so we started to look into that, and we you know and, uh, part of it again, you know what the world was going through and the shortages of everything, we knew we needed to do something. And we had an opportunity, which we took a program for FEMA to do isolation gowns. And it was a great program. We knew that this would be perfect. We'd be able to bring work onto the island. Um, it was a very big program. So we knew that it was not just our facility. We needed other factories. So, we regrouped uh, a total of eight other factories to be able to take this program. But before we took this program, we wanted to make sure that our employees were safe. Yeah. And, you know, that was our biggest concern. So the first thing we said is, you know, 
we can do this contract, but we need protective gear. Every one of our employees need to needs to have needs to be protected. And, you know, nobody was was forced to come back to work, but everybody did come back to work because they knew we had all these precautions in place and they knew that we were looking after them as a company and that they knew they were coming into a, you know, a place where they were probably safer in their workplace than they were out in population. And so, you know, the, the other part was, again, there was a lot of misinformation from social media, different news organizations, a lot of confusion, you know, same thing in the Dominican Republic, a lot of confusion. So we use, you know, uh, so we took that opportunity to message everyone. We said, we're going to use one reliable source. So we use the Canadian government, uh, Health Canada. And we used, you know, uh, their advice, you know, the, whatever they would advise, we would message back to the factory saying, okay, well, Health Canada today is saying, this is what we should be doing. And that's what we would implement. And, you know, how many people would, you know, reach out saying, oh, thank you for doing this. We feel relieved that, you know, we're getting clear information. And for us, that was part of, again, building trust. They, they trusted the information the company was giving them. You know, the company was also showing them that, you know, it, you know, our number one priority is you. Yeah. If we can yeah. take care of you, let's, you know, we can bring in that program and you will benefit from that. And, you know, again, it's, uh, uh, they showed us, you know, usually Dan and myself, my business partner and I are down there every two weeks. You know, we weren't there, you know, uh, we weren't there during this process. And yeah. this was the biggest program we ever ran. And, you know, they were our frontline workers where, you know, they showed up to work every day. You know, they did the, you know, they did their, they did their job. They, you know, they, uh, you know, it, it was nice that they found the courage as, you know, uh, we were all hiding out in our homes or <laughs> isolated and they were in these environments that, you know, they were also very scared. Yeah. So, you know, that was, you know, that was a big turning point, uh, in our operation. Um, where our employees really, you know, I believe they, you know, they looked at the company with a, you know, a different vision, uh, a company that really cares about them. And so we continue to build on that yeah. with, uh, with these programs, you know, another pro, you know, another problem that, you know, that is coming to surface is, uh, clean drinking water. Uh, again, understanding the problems of our oceans, how many plastic bottles are, are used on a daily basis. We did a little survey, you know, in our facility asking everyone, you know, where do you get your water? A hundred percent of the response was bottled, you know, plastic bottles. We're working with a great Canadian company called Purify. Um, they sent technicians down uh, to the Dominican Republic. They visited some of our employees' homes to understand the infrastructure. So we're also working on those solutions of bringing them the basics of, you know, clean, water. clean drinking water into homes. 
So there's a lot of work as a company that we can do uh, to continue to help improve the lives of our employees, to better society, to be a great example of a business and to bring, you know, I, I definitely believe that we're bringing value to our customer and brands. Absolutely. Um, you know, yeah. I hope that everybody copies our ideas and treats everyone this way. You know, it'd be a better world. The, the, the experience that you're describing, Rob, I, I, I mean, again, I got chills. I had chills when I was standing in 90 degree water with you in the Bahamas yeah. as you were talking yeah. about this. Uh, it is such a great example of compassionate capitalism. And compassionate capitalism does not mean that's, you know, again, soft and squishy. All you know, There's hard choices yes. that you make. There are really some very hard choices that need to be made. I can't raise wages. What do I do? Well, let's yes. get creative. Let's find out what that is. We got to take care of our people. Drinking water. Damn, I hadn't even thought about that. How do we ensure yeah. that they are healthy? Yeah. And, and that trans, I mean, if, and you've got some pretty big buyers uh, of your product that are paying yes. attention to this. And you know, yes. we're not going to name names here, but you, know, you guys are doing some really interesting stuff. Where can people yes. find out more about Hillsdale DR? Um, I mean, I know, you know the, the, the website is hillsdaledr.com. Yes, yes. Uh, that's the best way to reach. Yeah. To get a hold of us, yes. Yep. Again, our, um, our strategy of how we're running our business has, you know, we've had every, you know, every big box retailer reach out to us. Um, we're really in a very good position. Um, I don't want to say we're picking and choosing, but we are picking and choosing, you know, <laughs> uh, customers who will understand what we're doing. Yep. Uh, and we'll have an interest in that and, you know, help us promote and, you know, improve ourselves and raise the bar as a manufacturing operation. Um, so, you know, that's, again, this, you know, a strategic partnership where everybody understands the value in this. Yeah. And there's tremendous value. There is tremendous value. There really is. And that, and that value has to be genuinely yeah, authentic. It's yes. The, the value. Absolutely. Is so folks have been yes. listening to Robert Sides, yes. president, co-founder of Hillsdale DR. Check them out. Um, it, it, it's a fascinating story. Uh, they are a, an amazing group of people. Um, and yeah, they are, when you think about compassionate capitalist, uh, Robert and Dan, um, both of you, uh, but I, I know you. So <laughs> my, yes, my, yes. Hat off <laughs> my heart's open to you here. Thank you for being who you are and doing what you do, buddy. Thank you. Thank you, Blaine, for the uh, platform. Really appreciate that. You bet. Yes. Folks, you've been listening to The Soul of Business, and this is The Soul of Business. Uh, that's what we've been talking about today. Um, you've been listening to uh, Robert Saad. Uh, and find out more about what I'm up to at BlaineBartlett.com. And we will see you on the next episode. And in the meantime, find yourself a way over the course of this next week or so between this episode and next to experience being a center of distribution, not a center of accumulation. You'll find your life works a whole lot better when you're looking for ways to distribute who you are and what you have. Take care. This is Blaine Bartlett. I'll see you on the next show. Bye. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.